0: all right good morning everybody happy mother's day uh you know uh, it's amazing every year for mother's day we plan months in advance what we're going to do and it's it's amazing how god has done things for this coronavirus uh plans we had or had started making it's like before everything started god stopped them and, and so, uh, like where I usually order flowers a month or two ahead and get everything ready, things happen, and I didn't get a chance to. So God has really watched over us and took care. But for our Mother's Day, for all the mothers that are out there, Happy Mother's Day. For those of you that are watching us live or will watch the, the replay on the, when we upload the other video, uh, Happy Mother's Day on our podcast, same thing. But it's good to be here this morning. Quick announcement, starting next Sunday, we'll be able to go back to a semi-normal church service. Okay, so I mean, it's gonna be different. We're not gonna have Sunday school uh, to start off with uh, because of just different regulations and things. Well, we will have a church service Sunday morning. We do ask you to maintain social distancing, which is six feet, families can sit together. There's no problem with that. Uh, If you want, you can wear a mask, you can bring gloves. We have hand sanitizer. Uh, If you get here and our church is too full, We'll have to ask you to stay outside. We're going to try to put some speakers outside if we have to, but we will have service Sunday morning. Service will be at 10 o'clock, so if you can, come join us for that. And also, this Wednesday night, we're going to start back our Bible study. We're not going to start in Isaiah just yet. We're going to do a short one. We're going to see how everything goes. So Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we will be having at the church Bible study. So be, be ready for that. Again, we ask you if you come... Just be sure you uh, keep uh, the distance between each other, social distancing. And and and, and I know it's going to be hard. We ain't seen each other in a while. But please re- refrain from from just sitting by each other and, and, and everything because we don't want to pass this, this disease around. So well, I ain't showing symptoms. You could have it and not and not know. So I want to keep everybody safe. We're going to try to do our best. So just those quick <coughs> couple of things I wanted to share with you. Look forward to this Wednesday night. I will tell you, we're going to be studying Psalms 100 is what what we're going to do Wednesday night. So I urge you to do that. Let's get in with a word of prayer and we'll get started with our service this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have on this beautiful day to be here to worship. Lord, I pray for those, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, that that, that are are struggling during this time. Lord, I I know we have many that have been unemployed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, and I pray that you help them in those situations. Father, for those that's just been, they've been cooped up in their house, they're ready to get out. Lord, I pray that you're with each one of them. Lord, I know that things like this bring out different emotions and problems that show up. So Heavenly Father, Lord, those that are struggling right now, I lift them up to you, dear Heavenly Father. Father, I pray that as we come back together as a church, Lord, that when we do, you'll keep the church safe. Thank you again for all the things that you've been doing. Lord, for the way you've been guiding us and leading us and helping us during this time of Christ. Crisis. Lord, it's, you, you, we can feel your presence in everything that's been happening. <laughs> Father, again, thank you again for this morning. Lord, as we come to sing praise and worship, Lord, I pray you just bless us and touch us in a mighty way. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen.
1: Someone would ask, if only you knew how short life would be. What would you do? What would they say when God called you home? What would they grieve once you were gone? I hope they would see. What I've done with my life, who I cared for, and how I've survived. I'd hope they ain't saying she. Loved An honorable wife She gave what she had And through every trial Made life much sweeter Because of her smile Everyone will see What she's done with her life Who she's cared for And how she's survived say she
0: Verse. You ever notice that? As we, I don't know what it is. We sing the first, second, and the last verse of every song. <laughs> it you throw us. that third one in there, boy, we lost.
1: <laughs> well, that's, all, that's the problem having recorded and having seen. You have to do
2: what
1: they want to okay. do. All right,
2: thirty-three. This one only
1: has three. All right. <laughs>
0: We to go see your mama, she's alive, or you told her this morning, Happy Mother's Day. If not, just wait for the day you get to see her when we get to heaven, amen? So look forward to it. John chapter 8, John chapter 8, this is a very familiar story in John chapter 8, and the title of my sermon this morning is Overcoming Mistakes. Now here in John chapter 8, we get introduced to a a lady who has made a really bad mistake. And she's not the only one in the crowd that's going to be making mistakes. When we start in verse number 1, it says that Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and rode on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman. Where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, you imagine if you were one of those that was in the crowd. Imagine that if this lady that was brought in was actually somebody you loved maybe your sister or your friend, your daughter, and that was her in that place. Or imagine you were the one in her place. You know, hearing an act of adultery, an angry mob of religious men storm into your bedroom and drag you from your bed, take you to the temple, make you stand before Jesus Christ and the crowd of people there that were there to have church, Ashamed, all you can do is really look at the ground and wait. Picture yourself in these places. Yeah, I thought about that. I, as I, I got ready this, this week, I had a I thought of a Mother's Day sermon, and, and, and I tried, and God laid this story on my heart, and I said, Lord, this is not a Mother's Day sermon. And he says, well, this is not a normal Mother's Day either. So many people, This I tell you, as you've been at home, you start thinking about things you should have, could have, and would have done. And sometimes we get overcome by the mistakes of our lives. I've been there, and I've allowed the mistakes to be the main focus of what my life's about. You can't seem to get away from them. You know, it's easy to say, bring them to the altar and just leave them here. But how many of us come to the altar with a problem or a mistake we've made and we pray about it, we shed tears. It's like, we're fine for a second, but before we leave the church, I think we run back up here, pick it back up and carry it back home with us. This woman's facing something horrible. You think about it, every mistake that's been done there's something horrible we can learn from it and i want us to learn from this woman's mistake her mistake was the things that she was doing now there's a lot of mistakes here we can look at how it was handled by the men you know uh first let's look at the ones who are there we don't know how many people caught her in the act and all it's funny that you know there's not somebody else there being accused with her But they just brought her. And and so imagine this, you know, you're one of the ones in the crowd. First, you got to kind of overcome your own pride. That's what the problem with a lot of them were. They went along with those that was in the crowd. their, Their own pride was there. James 1 verses 19 through 23 says this. He says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the man... For the wrath of man worketh not in the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the ingrafted word, which be able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving our own self. For if any man be the hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face, in a glass, you know, we've talk, I've used that verse many times, but if you read the verses right there before it, you realize what he was talking about. He says we need to be careful and think before we act. This day, as they grabbed this woman and they brought this woman in, many of. Them, didn't think before they act. They went along with the crowd. And here he tells them, he says, be be slow to wrath and, you know, are swift to hear, slow to wrath and, and slow to speak. The, the wrath of the man worketh not righteousness of God. And I can just see it. Many of these are angry because of the sin this woman's committed. They don't even know her. They don't even look around and say, where's the guy? All they see is somebody who's done something wrong. And so they get involved in it. Have you ever been caught up in that? Everybody got caught up in gossip? Well, somebody said they did this. Somebody said they did that. And I've always wondered, where do the somebodies live? You remember when we used to have phone books? Y'all remember that? You ever go through the phone book looking for the last name somebody? It wasn't never in there. But there's always somebody, and it seems we go along with it. The Bible says that we're supposed to be careful. We're supposed to examine things. And so if we're not doing that, then it's like this. It says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. How many of us have come to church, heard God's word, we've sang it in songs, but yet all that is is words. If you're not taking what this book says and applying it to your life, that's what you're doing. You're going along with the crowd. We're listening to gossip. You know, you, you, you want to really look at that? Look at what the Bible says about gossipers and troublemakers. You know, it, it's, you know are you doing what the word says? Or do you got things that you need to get rid of in your life? And this morning I think if we all looked at ourselves, beholding ourselves in that glass, we'd say, Lord, I've got a lot I need to work on. You think about these guys at Drugger, and when Jesus says, you know, you were without sin, cast the first stone, and they all started to drop their rocks and started to walk off because they started realizing their sin and their lives. The practice of sin is not, you know, not a normal lifestyle for believers, but we do it, don't we? When we sin, it has an effect upon us as well as others around us. You know, for for one thing, it robs us of our ability to understand spiritual truths. And the Bible says that that the Holy Ghost is sent here to help us with this. But if you've got sin in your life, you're not listening to him. You're concentrating on other things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. He said, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by a spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For man, for what man knoweth the things of man, say the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Paul told the, the church, is basically here's what it amounts to. He said, we don't know things. But the Spirit helps us. When you get saved, it wouldn't be nice if you got saved and they said, here you go. Here is a manual of everything you need to know. When you've got a problem, you just hit a button there. When you say, well, we got the Bible, but you got to really search that. Wouldn't it be nice if it was just a manual? Say, here's your manual for Christianity. Before you lit through in five pages, you can read it and understand it. Yeah, you know, I I have a I manual. You know, I put together the kids, the grandkids, a swing set. It had a manual with it. It had pictures, and they gave you these little plastic tabs. They said, "Put the bolt through the pipe, through the thing. Put this plastic tab on, and put this bolt. Be sure you tighten it tight enough." Well, I put those stupid plastic tabs on two bolts. They took them walked to the garbage can and threw them away. Because I realized that man, you lie. <laughs> you couldn't do that and be successful. I had to learn it. I wish somebody would have been there. I was talking to somebody afterwards. And they said, yeah, when I put my kids' swing set together, I did the same thing. So the good thing is, Paul said, You don't know things, but when you get saved, God gives you the Holy Spirit to help you to know things. How do you know when something's wrong in your life? When there's sin in your life? It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us and tells us this is wrong. Do we listen to it? Now, if you think about the men who drug her there and these went along with it. If they would have been listening to the Spirit, it would have never happened. We can't understand the will of the Holy Spirit sometimes when we have problems, when there's sin in our life. We don't listen to them. Let me tell you some of the things does. One of the things that happens when you got sin in your life, it quenches the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, he says, quench not the spirit. So we're we're commanded not to do it. When you got sin in your life, you're doing it. You know what quenching the spirit is like? It's like throwing a wet blanket over something. You ever done that? Yeah. Think about this. You go camping. And everybody's sitting around a campfire and it's kind of cool. You go, so I got a blanket to cover up with and you go get one that's soaking wet. Well, how much fun are you going to have? It makes one miserable. That's about the only thing it does. When you quench the Holy Spirit, Bible study becomes unfruitful. Psalms 1 Verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth the seed of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water, and bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf shall not wither, whatsoever he does shall prosper. When you're in God's will and you get in God's word, you listen to God, not the world. And you, you grow. If you're not, you're unfruitful. What well, good's a tree that's not in, producing fruit? And when the first problem comes, you have no roots and you get blown away. You know, I think what the biggest problem is, and I think about these men there, they had no joy. Their joy was bringing someone down. First John one four one one four, excuse me, says these things. John said these things I write unto you that your joy might be full. How many of you've got full joy today? It is a beautiful day outside, but how many people are fully joyful? You know when you lose your joy. Worship becomes nothing, and your excitement is gone. You know, when we we're worshiping, and, and and yeah, we 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 made a mistake on a song. Hey, but we laughed. It's fun. I enjoy singing. I enjoy worshiping. That's the one thing I've really missed in this time is our worship together. You know, but, but when you don't have joy and you're not really doing that. You're look for something to take its place. These men look for something to take its place. And what they found was let's bring somebody down to our level because we're not joyful. We're not happy. Nobody else should be. You ever met people like that? They walk around looking like they've been sucking on dill pickles, eating lemons, and they're most sour human beings, and the only way they seem to have any joy is to bring you down to their level. You get robbed of your joy when you're not in the the spirit with the spirit of the Lord. And when you have no joy, you also have no peace. Paul said in Colossians 3.15, he said, let the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. When you lose your peace, boy, I tell you, I, I've lost my peace and I'm angry and I'm mean and I'm, I'm not happy. And I guarantee you, I'd have been one of them standing there if I had no peace or no joy in my life. With my a rock ready to throw it that somebody just because it's not me. It's them who are in trouble. And the last thing there is it causes a feeling of separation. John said in First John 1 verse 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. These guys there were supposed to be religious. They were Pharisees and scribes. They were supposed to be the ones who showed God. When you say you're a Christian, when you say you're a child of God, you're an, emiss- an emissary for the Lord. You're Jesus to most people. What do you show? What did they show that day? They needed to look at the one who was riding in the sand that day and put down their rocks. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verses 23 through 25, he told Peter, he said, Peter, get get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of man. And Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's what many of us need to do. Lord, I'm, I'm an offense to you because of the way I've been acting. The things I've been thinking. I need to put my rock down, take up my cross and follow you. You know, if you're not one in the crowd and it's you that's done something horrible like this lady, when it's all said and done, when everything's finished, just like hearing the story, after Jesus dealt with the crowd, it was just him and her. And one day, when all you things that you've done, it'll be you and Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, verses 10, 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in, the, in heaven, and things in earth, things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this woman, she lived a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God. She was an adulteress. And then one day she got brought before Jesus. See, as Jesus said to the crowd, if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone. There was only one sinless man there that day. And that was Jesus. You know, Jesus, how much he loves us, he has one purpose, is condemned already because he that hath not believed in the name of only begotten son of God. Jesus was there that one day because God sent him. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. He said, I came to save those. I didn't come to condemn. But verse 18 tells us something important. You make the choice whether or not to accept. That woman that day, she's faced a choice. Jesus didn't condemn her, He told her to go and sin no more. Today's your day, too. Here's what it amounts to Jesus isn't here to condemn you, He's here to love you. He died on the cross for you. He's here to take care of us. As a child of God, he's here to forgive me, to help me through everything I do. But it's my choice to go to him. Let me me share what happens to these people who don't believe. Here was this woman's choice. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 says this. John said, I saw a great white throne and to him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. See, the Bible tells us here that one day those who have rejected Christ, who's never accepted, and will stand before Him and get what everybody wants. I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. So in heaven, there's a book that's got everything that you've ever done written down. And out of that book, because this is what you want, that's how you will be judged by the one who died on the cross. Listen to what it says. It says in verse 14, "And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever's was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. You see, the same Jesus who forgave this woman, the same Jesus who forgave me, gives everybody that same chance. But one day, your choice sends you to this throne room. And it's plain and simple. You've had a choice. Today's your choice. God gave her her choice. He's given me the same choice. He gives it to you. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love towards us, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That woman caught in the very act of adultery, drugged, probably half naked in front of Jesus and everybody there. Christ died for her. Christ died for me. He died for you. You say, well, preacher, you don't know the things I've done. It does not matter. God does. Jesus died for you. Listen to this in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe with thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's simple. The Bible says if you believe it, you say it, you're saved. You know, uh, I think it's amazing. We'd rather be judged by our works than by a simple confession and change in the heart. Well, your works won't get you there. Scriptures show us that. It's believing in Jesus Christ. That woman, that morning, or whatever time of the day it was, drug before Christ, she had a choice to make. You know, we don't know what choice she made. We don't know if she said, Lord, I'll do what you said. It's like today, the choice you have is simple as anything. Accept Christ or reject him. Accepting them's easy. All you gotta do is, is, is do a little prayer. I'm, uh, I've done this prayer for the last couple of weeks. I will continue to do it. If you want to be saved, if you want to know who Jesus is, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. And I believe that He died for my sins. And that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior. And follow him as Lord. From this day forward. Guide my life. And help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, "Well, preacher I didn't quite get all the words. It doesn't matter. It's what you believe in your heart. You know either the crowd. Or the, or the woman there. Jesus said go and. Sin no more. How do we do things like that? One, are, are you prepared today? If you're a child of God, could you do what Jesus told her to do? Peter said in 1 Peter 1.13, he said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end of grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You've got to be sure you're thinking about the right things. If you just prayed that prayer, you just got saved. Man, let me tell you, it's one of the greatest things in the world. And things are going to happen in your life. But Satan's going to attack you because he's mad at you. Christian, you know what it's like. Hey, I come to church, I get excited, I start following him, and it's like everything happens. Well, gird up the loins of your mind, focus on the right things. You know, if you're an alcoholic, you don't go hang out at a bar. If you're overweight, you don't go stand at Daylight Donuts waiting for them to open up. Even though I want to. You've got to think about things. You need to pray for direction. Jeremiah 42.3 said this. He says that the Lord God may show us the way where we may walk and the things that we may do. God will show you how to act. Just pray. And every once in a while, you need to praise. Psalms one hundred, make a joyful noise. That's actually make a joyful shout. Do you know that? It's, when he said noise, just make anything. Just be joyful about it. You need to preserve. Christian, I'm talking to you right now. Church member, those of you that have been home, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You've been at home, you've been away from fellowship. Hang in there. We will reap the benefits. If we don't faint. And the last thing is to participate. Romans 8 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, so be it that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. If you've gotten saved during this pandemic time, you couldn't get to church, I urge you this coming Sunday, find a church that's open. Get in it. (laughs) We'd love to have you here, but you go where the Holy Spirit leads you to. But get into God's word. Get with his people. We serve an awesome God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for this time we have together. And Father, if there be anybody here in the sound of our voice that's watching us or listening later, Lord, that came to know you, I pray that you'll, you'll help them during this time. Father, those that are struggling with their walk, Lord, I pray you steer them in the right direction. Lord, some have been away from you and it's became easy. Lord, I pray that you burden her heart to get back into the church. I thank you for all the things that you've done and will do during this time as things are different now than they've ever been. Help us to be the Christians you want us to be. In the Lord's name I pray, amen.
3: God Just...
2: That's what this altar is for <laughs> A father is praying with his son The mother kneels beside them, thanking God they've come. Oh man standing there in Giving up a part of him that he's held back for years Hearts are being broken, lives are being changed, and those who call upon him they will never be the same. The time has come to give him to the That's what this altar is for. That's what this altar is for. You don't have to carry those burdens anymore. There's a light in the darkness. There's a love that's true. Jesus is waiting, he's waiting here for you. Come quickly now, before they close the door, that's what this altar is for, that's what this altar is for. You don't have to carry those burdens anymore. There's a light in the darkness. There's a love that's true. And Jesus is waiting. He's waiting here for you. Come quickly now before they close the door. You can give your burdens to the Lord, that's what this altar is for.
0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, You know, uh, it's amazing. Every year for Mother's Day, we plan months in advance what we're going to do. And it's it's amazing how God has done things for this coronavirus. Uh, Plans we had or had started making this like before everything started, God stopped them. And, and so, uh, like where I usually order flowers a month or two ahead and get everything ready, things happened and I didn't get a chance to. So God has really watched over us and took care. But for our Mother's Day, for all the mothers that are out there, Happy Mother's Day. For those of you that are watching us live or will watch the, the replay on the, when we upload the other video, uh, Happy Mother's Day on our podcast, same thing. But it's good to be here this morning. Quick announcement, starting next Sunday, we'll be able to go back to a semi-normal church service. Okay, so I mean, it's gonna be different. We're not gonna have Sunday school uh, to start off with uh, because of just different regulations and things. Well, we will have a church service Sunday morning. We do ask you to maintain social distancing, which is six feet, families can sit together. There's no problem with that. Uh, If you want, you can wear a mask, you can bring gloves. We have hand sanitizer. Uh, If you get here and our church is too full, We'll have to ask you to stay outside. We're going to try to put some speakers outside if we have to, but we will have service Sunday morning. Service will be at 10 o'clock, so if you can, come join us for that. And also, this Wednesday night, we're going to start back our Bible study. We're not going to start in Isaiah just yet. We're going to do a short one. We're going to see how everything goes. So Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we will be having at the church Bible study. So be, be ready for that. Again, we ask you if you come... Be sure you uh, keep uh, the distance between each other, social distancing. And, 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 and I know it's going to be hard. We ain't seen each other in a while. But please re- refrain from from just sitting by each other and, and, and everything because we don't want to pass this, this disease. Rant, so why I ain't showing symptoms. You could have it and not and not know. So I want to keep everybody safe. We're going to try to do our best. So just those quick <coughs> couple of things I wanted to share with you. Look forward to this Wednesday. I will tell you, we're going to be studying Psalms 100, is what what we're going to do Wednesday night, so I urge you to do that. Let's get in with a word of prayer, and we'll get started with our service this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have on this beautiful day to be here to worship. Lord, I pray for those, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, that that are are struggling during this time. Lord, I I know we have many that have been unemployed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, and I pray that you help them in those situations. Father for those that's just been They've been cooped up in their house They're ready to get out Lord I pray that you're with each one of them Lord I know that things like this Bring out different emotions and problems that show up So Heavenly Father Lord Those that are struggling right now I lift them up to you dear Heavenly Father Father I pray that as we come back together as a church Lord that when we do You'll keep the church safe Thank you again for all the things that you've been doing Lord for the way you've been guiding us And leading us and helping us during this time of Christ crisis. Lord, we can feel your presence in everything that's been happening. (laughs) Father, again, thank you again for this morning. Lord, as we come to sing praise and worship, Lord, I pray you just bless us and touch us in a mighty way. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen.
1: Someone would ask if only you knew how short life would be. What would you do? What would they say when God called you home? What would they agree once you were gone? I hope they would see. What I've done with my life, who i cared for, and how I've survived, I'd hope they'd say. She loved An honorable wife She gave all she had And through every trial Made life much sweeter Because of her smile Everyone will see What she's done with her life Who she's cared for And how she's survived say she
0: Verse. You ever notice that? As we, I don't know what it is. We sing the first, second, and the last verse of every song. <laughs> you throw us. that third one in there, boy, we lost.
1: <laughs> well, that's the problem with having a recorder and having a You have to do what they want to do. All right, thirty-three. This one only has three. All right. <laughs>
0: To go see your mama, she's alive, or you told her this morning, Happy Mother's Day. If she's not, <laughs> just wait for the day you get to see her when we get to heaven. Amen. So I look for it. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This is a very familiar story in John chapter 8. And the, t- the title of my sermon this morning is Overcoming Mistakes. Now here in John chapter 8, we get introduced to a, a lady who has made a really bad mistake. And she's not the only one in the crowd that's going to be making mistakes. When we start in verse number 1, it says that Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him. That they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down. And rode on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman. Where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, you imagine if you were one of those that was in the crowd. Imagine that if this lady that was brought in was actually somebody you love maybe your sister or your friend, your daughter, and that was her in that place. Or imagine you were the one in her place. You know, hearing an act of adultery, an angry mob of religious men storm into your bedroom and drag you from your bed, take you to the temple, make you stand before Jesus Christ and a crowd of people there that were there to have church, Ashamed, all you can do is really look at the ground and wait. Picture yourself in these places. Yeah, I thought about that. I, as I, I got ready this, this week, I had a I thought of a Mother's Day sermon. And, and, and I tried, and God laid this story on my heart. And I said, Lord, this is not a Mother's Day sermon. And he says, well, this is not a normal Mother's Day either. So many people, This I tell you, as you've been at home, you start thinking about things you should have, could have, and would have done. And sometimes we get overcome by the mistakes of our lives. I've been there and I've allowed the mistakes to be the main focus of what my life's about. You can't seem to get away from, them. you know, it's easy to say, bring them to the altar and just leave them here. But how many of us come to the altar with a problem or a mistake we've made and we pray about it? We shed tears. It's like we're fine for a second. But before we leave the church, I think we run back up here, pick it back up and carry it back home with us. This woman's facing something horrible. You think about it. Every mistake it's been done, there's something horrible we can learn from it, and I want us to learn from this woman's mistake, her mistake was the things that she was doing. Now there's a lot of mistakes here. We can look at how it was handled by the men. You know, uh, first let's look at the ones who are there. We don't know how many people caught her in the act, and all the funny that, you know, there's not somebody else there being accused with her. But they just brought her. And, and so imagine this you know, you're one of the ones in the crowd. First, you got to kind of overcome your own pride. That's what the problem with a lot of them were. They went along with those that was in the crowd, they, their, their own pride was there. James 1, verses 19 through 23 says this He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the man. For the wrath of man worketh not in the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which be able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving our own self. For if any man be the hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face. In a glass. You know, we've talk, I've used that verse many times. But if you read the verses right there before it, you realize what he was talking about. He says we need to be careful and think before we act. This day as they grabbed this woman and they brought this woman in, many of them, didn't think before they act, they went along with the crowd. And here he tells them, he says, be be slow to wrath and, you know, are swift to hear, slow to wrath and, and slow to speak. The, the wrath of the man worketh not righteousness of God. And I can just see it. Many of these are angry because of the sin this woman's committed. They don't even know her. They don't even look around and say, where's the guy? All they see is somebody who's done something wrong. And so they get involved. in it. Have you ever been caught up in that? Everybody got caught up in gossip? Well, somebody said they did this. Somebody said they did that. And I've always wondered, where do the somebodies live? You remember when we used to have phone books? Y'all remember that? You ever go through the phone book looking for the last name, somebody? It wasn't never in there. But there's always somebody, and it seems we go along with it. The Bible says that we're supposed to be careful. We're supposed to examine things. And so if we're not doing that, then it's like this. It says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. How many of us have come to church, heard God's word, we've sang it in songs, but yet all that is is words. If you're not taking what this book says and applying it to your life, that's what you're doing. You're going along with the crowd. We're listening to gossip. You, know, you, you, you want to really look at that? Look at what the Bible says about gossipers and troublemakers. You know, it, it's, you know are you doing what the word says? Or do you got things that you need to get rid of in your life? And this morning, I think if we all looked at ourselves, beholding ourselves in that glass, we'd say, Lord, I've got a lot I need to work on. You think about these guys at Druger, and when Jesus says, you know, you were without sin, cast the first stone, and they all started to drop their rocks and started to walk off because they started realizing their sin and their lives. The practice of sin is not, you know, not a normal lifestyle for believers, but we do it, don't we? When we sin, it has an effect upon us as well as others around us. You know, for for one thing, it robs us of our ability to understand spiritual truths. And the Bible says that that the Holy Ghost is sent here to help us with this. But if you've got sin in your life, you're not listening to him. You're concentrating on other things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9-12. through 12. He said, but as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by a spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For man, for what man knoweth the things of man, say the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Paul told the, the church, is basically here's what it amounts to. He said, we don't know things. But the Spirit helps us. When you get saved, it wouldn't be nice if you got saved and they said, Here you go. Here is a manual of everything you need to know. When you've got a problem, you just hit a button there. When well, you say, Well, we got the Bible, but you've got to really search that. Wouldn't it wouldn't be nice if it was just a manual saying, so Here's your manual for Christianity. Before you lit through, in five pages, you can read it and understand it. Yeah, you know, I I have a I manual. You know, I put together the kids, the grandkids, a swing set.
2: It had a manual with
0: it. It had pictures, and they gave you these little plastic tabs. They said, "Put the bolt through the pipe, through the thing. Put this plastic tab on, and put this bolt. Be sure you tighten it tight enough." Well, I put those stupid plastic tabs on. Two bolts. They took them. Walked to the garbage can and threw away. Because I realized, that man, you lied.
3: <laughs>
0: you couldn't do that and be successful. I had to learn it. I wish somebody would have been there. I was talking to somebody afterwards. And they said, Yeah, when I put my kids' swing set together, I did the same thing. So the good thing is, Paul said, You don't know things, but when you get saved, God gives you the Holy Spirit to help you to know things. How do you know when something's wrong in your life? When there's sin in your life? It's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us and tells us this is wrong. Do we listen to it? Now, if you think about the men who drug her there and these went along with it. If they would have been listening to the spirit, it would have never happened. We can't understand the will of the Holy Spirit sometimes when we have problems, when there's sin in our life. We don't listen to them. Let me tell you some of the things does. One of the things that happens when you got sin in your life, it quenches the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul said to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, he says, quench not the spirit. So we're, we're commanded not to do it. When you got sin in your life, you're doing it. You know what quenching the spirit's like? It's like throwing a wet blanket over something. You ever done that? Yeah, think about this. You go camping, and everybody's sitting around a campfire and it's kind of cool. You go, so I got a blanket to cover up with and you go get one that's soaking wet. Well, how much fun are you going to have? It makes one miserable. That's about the only thing it does. When you quench the Holy Spirit, Bible study becomes unfruitful. Psalms 1 Verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth the seed of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water, and bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf shall not wither, whatsoever he does shall prosper. When you're in God's will you get in God's word, you listen to God, not the world. And you, you grow. If you're not, you're unfruitful. What well, good's a tree that's not in, producing fruit? And when the first problem comes, you have no roots and you get blown away. You know, I think what the biggest problem is, and I think about these men there, they had no joy. Their joy was bringing someone down. First John one four one one four, excuse me, says these things. John said these things. I write unto you that your joy might be full. How many of you've got full joy today? It is a beautiful day outside, but how many people are fully joyful? You know, when you lose your joy. Worship becomes nothing and your excitement is gone. You know, when we, we're worshiping and, and, and yeah, we, 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 we made a mistake on a song, hey, but we laughed. It's fun. I enjoy singing. I enjoy worshiping. That's the one thing I've really missed in this time is our worship together. You know, but well, when you don't have joy and you're not really doing that. You're look for something to take its place. These men look for something to take its place. And what they found was let's bring somebody down to our level because we're not joyful. We're not happy. Nobody else should be. You ever met people like that? They walk around looking like they've been sucking on dill pickles, eating lemons, and they're most sour human beings, and the only way they seem to have any joy is to bring you down to their level. You get robbed of your joy when you're not in the the spirit with the Spirit of the Lord. And when you have no joy, you also have no peace. Paul said in Colossians 3.15, he said, let the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. When you lose your peace, boy, I tell you, I, I've lost my peace and I'm angry and I'm mean and I'm, I'm not happy. And I guarantee you, I'd have been one of them standing there if I had no peace or no joy in my life. With my a rock ready to throw it It's somebody just because it's not me. It's them who are in trouble. And the last thing there is it causes a feeling of separation. John said in 1 John 1 verse 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. These guys there were supposed to be religious. They were Pharisees and scribes. They were supposed to be the ones who showed God. When you say you're a Christian. When you say you're a child of God. You're an emissary for the Lord. You're Jesus to most people. What do you show? What did they show that day? They needed to look at the one who was riding in the sand that day and put down their rocks. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verses 23 through 25, he told Peter, he said, Peter, get get thee behind me, Satan. Thou are an offense to me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of man. And Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's what many of us need to do. Lord, I'm, I'm an offense to you because of the way I've been acting. The things I've been thinking. I need to put my rock down, take up my cross and follow you. You know, if you're not one in the crowd and it's you that's done something horrible like this lady, when it's all said and done, when everything's finished, just like hearing the story, after Jesus dealt with the crowd, it was just him and her. And one day, when all you things that you've done, it'll be you and Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, verses 10, 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in, the, in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this woman, she lived a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God. She was an adulteress. And then one day she got brought before Jesus. See, as Jesus said to the crowd, if you're without sin, you can cast the first stone. There was only one sinless man there that day. And that was Jesus. You know, Jesus, how much he loves us, he has one purpose. Is condemned already. Because he that. Hath not believed in the name of only. Begotten son of God. Jesus was there that one day. Because God sent him. For God so loved the world. He sent his only begotten son. He said I came to save those. I didn't come to condemn. But verse 18. Tells us something important. You make the choice whether or not to accept. That woman that day, she's faced a choice. Jesus didn't condemn her. He told her to go and sin no more. Today's your day too. Here's what amounts to. Jesus isn't here to condemn you. He's here to love you. He died on the cross for you. He's here to take care of us. As a child of God, he's here to forgive me, to help me through everything I do. But it's my choice to go to him. Let me me share what happens to these people who don't believe. Here was this woman's choice. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 says this. John said, I saw a great white throne and to him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. See, the Bible tells us here that one day those who have rejected Christ, who's never accepted him, will stand before Him and get what everybody wants. I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. So in heaven, there's a book that's got everything that you've ever done written down. And out of that book, because this is what you want, that's how you will be judged. By the one who died on the cross. Listen to what it says. It says in verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever's was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. You see, the same Jesus who forgave this woman, the same Jesus who forgave me, gives everybody that same chance. But one day, your choice sends you to this throne room. And it's plain and simple. You've had a choice. Today's your choice. God gave her her choice. He's given me the same choice. He gives it to you. Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love towards us, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That woman caught in the very act of adultery, drugged, probably half naked in front of Jesus and everybody there. Christ died for her. Christ died for me. He died for you. You say, well, preacher, you don't know the things I've done. It does not matter. God does. Jesus died for you. Listen to this in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says this. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Shall believe with thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's simple. The Bible says if you believe it, you say it, you're saved. You know, uh, I think it's amazing. We'd rather be judged by our works than by a simple confession and change in the heart. Well, your works won't get you there. Scriptures show us that it's believing in Jesus Christ. That woman, that morning, or whatever time of the day it was, drug before Christ, she had a choice to make. You know, we don't know what choice she made. We don't know if she said, Lord, I'll do what you said. It's like today, the choice you have is simple as anything. Accept Christ or reject Him. Accepting them's easy. All you gotta do is, is, is do a little prayer. I'm, uh, I've done this prayer for the last couple of weeks. I will continue to do it. If you want to be saved, if you want to know who Jesus is, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. And I believe that He died for my sins. And that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior. And follow him as Lord. From this day forward. Guide my life. And help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So a preacher I didn't quite get all the words. It doesn't matter. It's what you believe in your heart. You know either the crowd. Or the, or the woman there. Jesus said go and sin no more. How do we do things like that? One, are, are you prepared today? If you're a child of God, could you do what Jesus told her to do? Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 13, he said, he said, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end of grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You've got to be sure you're thinking about the right things. If you just prayed that prayer, you just got saved. Man, let me tell you, it's one of the greatest things in the world. And things are going to happen in your life. But Satan's going to attack you because he's mad at you. Christian, you know what it's like. Hey, I come to church, I get excited, I start following him, and it's like everything happens. Well, gird up the loins of your mind, focus on the right things. You know, if you're an alcoholic, you don't go hang out at a bar. If you're overweight, you don't go stand at Daylight Donuts waiting for them to open up. Even though I want to. You've got to think about things. You need to pray for direction. Jeremiah 42.3 said this. He says that the Lord God may show us the way where we may walk and the things that we may do. God will show you how to act. Just pray. Every once in a while you need praise. Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise. That's actually make a joyful shout. Do you know that? It's, when he said noise, just make anything. Just be joyful about it. You need to preserve. Christian, I'm talking to you right now. Church member, those of you that have been home, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You've been at home, you've been away from fellowship. Hang in there. We will reap the benefits if we don't faint. And the last thing is to participate. Romans 8:17 says and if children then heirs heirs of God Join heirs with Christ. So be it that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. If you've gotten saved during this pandemic time, you couldn't get to church, I urge you this coming Sunday, find a church that's open. Get in it. <laughs> We'd love to have you here, but you go where the Holy Spirit leads you to. But get into God's Word, get with His people. We serve an awesome God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for this time we have together. And Father, if there be anybody here in the sound of our voice that's watching us or listening later, Lord, that came to know you, I pray that you'll, you'll help them during this time. Father, those that are struggling with their walk, Lord, I pray you steer them in the right direction. Lord, some have been away from you and it's became easy. Lord, I pray that you burden their heart to get back into the church. I thank you for all the things that you've done and will do during this time. as things are different now than they've ever been. Help us to be the Christians you want us to be. In the Lord's name I pray, amen.
3: God Just...
2: That's what this altar is for The <laughs> Father is praying with his son The mother kneels beside them, thanking God they've come. Oh man standing there in Giving up a part of him That he's held back for years Hearts are being broken Lives are being changed And those who call upon him They will never be the same The time has come To give them to the That's what this altar is for That's what this altar is for You don't have to carry those burdens anymore There's a light in the darkness There's a love that's true Jesus is waiting, he's waiting here for you. Come quickly now, before they close the door, that's what this altar is for, that's what this altar is for. You don't have to carry those burdens anymore. There's a light in the darkness. There's a love that's true. And Jesus is waiting. He's waiting here for you. Come quickly now before they close the door. You can give your burdens to the Lord That's what this altar is for